profound danger with today's gospel passage, and that is taking the Lord literally. And so uh, he's not inviting us to uh, take matters into our own hands and tie the criminals to millstones and tossing them into the sea, especially when we understand what that millstone is. A millstone, uh, um, this would be for grinding grain, wheat or barley or oats or whatever it is. And some were huge, five feet, six feet in diameter, thousands of pounds perhaps. I can't even swim without a millstone, but no one can swim with a millstone. But Jesus is not saying to tie them up, although it would be better for that person to be tied up and thrown into the sea than it would be to the, the fate that awaits him in hell. It would be better for him. That's speaking a lot. And especially as we continue to reel with the revelation of priests who abused their positions and abused youth in those positions and hid behind the collar or other uh, people who have taken advantage of their positions or taken uh, hurt other people. I think Jesus is speaking very clearly to us that we should do whatever it takes. And especially when it comes to our own sin. And I have to admit, every time we have this passage or its parallels, I can't help but think how much easier confession would be. Oh, you put your hand where it didn't belong again, huh? You can only do that twice. Or you went where you ought not go. Or you said something you shouldn't have said. My favorite, is, as I imagine it, is they come in without a nose. Oh, you put it where it didn't belong, didn't you? It certainly would make confession easier, but Jesus, again, is not telling us to literally maim ourselves, but we should be so serious about avoiding sin that we would do whatever it takes. So if our hand causes us to sin, or our eye causes us to sin, or our nose causes us to sin, or our tongue causes us to sin, whatever it is, we would rather part with that body part to go, than to go to hell. And there is a hell, let us remember this, and this, these days, we have people that, well, no, no, it's only a literary construct, you know, it, it doesn't really exist. I, I don't know about you, but on the lips of one person in particular, hell keeps getting mentioned. And if there is no hell, he must be a liar. And I can't get around that. And that would be Jesus. He's the one that mentions hell more than anyone else. He should know. He's the Son of God. And he talks about hell as this Gehenna. That's a, a frequent, frequent uh, word for hell. A Gehenna is a literal place. It's the Valley Hinnom. It's on the north or south uh, west side of Jerusalem. In the days of Jesus, it was a garden, uh, garbage dump where they burnt the garbage. Can you imagine the smell of rotted meat or fruits? The smell of burning, maybe rotten eggs, sulfur, fire, brimstone. As horrible as that was in the days of Jesus, as soon as he mentions and calls it Gehenna, he's calling to mind something else. That at some points, 
of Jewish history, of the history of Jerusalem, that valley was a place of abomination where children, infants, were sacrificed to a demon, Moloch, burned alive. It was a place of torture, of terror, of pain. Should anyone want to go there, go there, they might have hoped that they would have cut their nose off, their eyes out, their hands and feet off, because it's going to be a place of absolute terror, torture, pain. That's how serious, why we should be so serious about avoiding sin. But even more so, we should avoid sin because it offends God who loves us, God who gives us grace, God who gives us life. And in the end, I'm convinced of, that sin does one of two things in our lives. It makes us stupid, and it makes us immature. And sometimes those two are actually very interrelated, of course. Sin makes us stupid by, we, we are deceived by Satan or the evil ones by temptation. At first, it doesn't seem like that big a deal. Oh, go ahead. It's, it's, it's going to be fun. You're going to enjoy it until after it's done. And all of a sudden, I didn't enjoy that. It was, wasn't near as much fun as the pain that I experienced because I did that sin. And we find ourselves, the next time, it's a little easier. And before we know it, we've naively done terrible things. I keep using the, the image. I don't know if I've used it here, but uh, somebody who was caught embezzling, she said, oh, it just started so simple. A dollar here, a dollar there. Before she knew it, she racked up $100,000 of embezzlement. It just happened so simple, so little. She was so naive and dumb of how she fell into it. And it makes us immature. That we do not become the full adults that we are called to be. And this is very easy to see in some things. We get locked in childish patterns. Instead of being free and adult about whatever matter it is, we slip into that immaturity. God wants us to be mature. In fact, St. Athanasius reminds us the glory of God is man fully alive, or some translations of that phrase. The glory of God is life in man. And to be fully alive means to be fully adult, to be fully grown, to accept the gift of the Holy Spirit, to allow that Holy Spirit then to direct our actions and to, to direct us into freedom and deeper freedom. If we're caught in lives of sin, we are not free. We are bound. And so, again, we should do whatever it takes to avoid it. And in the end, there is a connection between the first half of this gospel and the last half about avoiding sin. And John coming to Jesus and saying, look, he's doing something he ought not do. He's not a follower of Did you catch that? Us? John is a little jealous, perhaps. This is probably one, the, the only one flaw that we've, we catch of John. And yet Jesus points out, you cannot both do wonderful things in my name and hate me, speak ill of me. And in their first reading, of course, there's that parallel. Moses saying, uh, Joshua is saying, coming to him and saying, uh, look, there's people prophesying. And, and Moses saying, were that all that were prophet, would be prophets? If you remember the story of Exodus well enough, 
When God revealed himself to the people, they begged, please don't let him talk to us this way anymore. And Moses wishing that were not the case. The Moses saying, in the end, really Jesus saying, he wishes all would hear the voice of God. Through the Holy Spirit, we do. Through the Holy Spirit, we can hear the voice of God. But the Holy Spirit cannot work where sin is at work. Again, all the more reason to avoid sin. A number of years ago, I came across an article that was actually passed to me by Bishop Ninestead, and it was uh, dealing with one particular area of sin. doesn't matter for the sake of this homily. But I found it, as I meditated on uh, the words, I found it very helpful. The, the author reminded us, if sin makes us immature, then we need to grow up. And if we want to grow up, there comes a point where we have to avoid the playground. That that place of sin, whatever playground it is, whether it's the internet or the bar scene or whatever it is, around the water cooler with gossip, wherever it is, that we say, until I can come to some freedom, until I can be freed of that sin, I will not go to that playground to avoid it or to avoid the playthings. If our phones or computers get us in trouble or whatever uh, other things we might use as instruments of sin, to say, I need to put that away. I need to find freedom. It might be a time where God allows it to come back to our lives, but now we have the freedom to not use that for sin, but use it for, especially with technology, use it for the good of spreading the gospel or the good of educating our minds or proper entertainment. And the last, if we want to grow, to avoid the playmates. This is hard, especially for teens or especially for those who think uh, I'm so unlovable that only these people that will lead me to a life of sin could love me, could be my friend, but in the end, they're only dragging us down. So they ask God to help us to avoid those so-called friends that are not friends to us. See, a true friend ultimately has our true goal in mind. Our true goal is heaven, of course. A true friend would say, no, do not fall into that sin, but rather help us to avoid sin in all its forms. To find freedom, to find the ability to respond to the Holy Spirit. There might be a time after we've found freedom, after we've begun listening to the Holy Spirit again, or, or for the first time, whatever the case might be, that God calls us back into a certain circle of friends, but this time coming with freedom and coming to pull others out of that life of sin. We should do whatever it takes to avoid sin not just because it offends God, not just because we want to avoid the punishments for our sins, but in the end, because God so loves us. And God does. If he didn't, he wouldn't have sent his son to suffer, to die, to rise again. If he didn't, he wouldn't have allowed his son to give us that enduring presence of him in this Eucharist. If he didn't, he wouldn't have given us the grace of the sacrament of reconciliation, where we find true freedom from sin, And so often I hear, well, why do we have to confess to a priest? Well, 
God can work in other ways, and God sometimes does. But I know in my own life, I like that reassurance. That when I've confessed my sin, that I receive back, for sure, in audible form, not deceiving myself, that I'm absolved. I need it. We all do. God loves us so much that he gives us these graces. And he invites us to full maturity this day. He invites us, whether our age, whether we're 5 or 10 or 500, whatever age we are, he invites us to maturity, to find freedom, to avoid sin in all its forms. Because we know God loves us, and so we are called to love him.